You've heard of songs from the big chair. Here's podcasts from a variety of seating apparatus. That's right. It's Cover Me, the only podcast that talks about famous songs and their many cover versions. Usually, today we're talking about a famous album and one cover version of it. I'm your host, as always, Jake Cressy, joined by my co-host, a uh, ambitious dictator, Alex Mildenberger. Alex Joining us in the studio as well, a very special guest who I'm sure the audience will be head over heels for. Oh, <laughs> oh uh, I have to say my name. Yes, Sorry. Over you. Ruby Swan. Ruby Swan in the studio again. We haven't had you on since, what, October of last year? Oh my gosh, was it that long ago? October, November. It was the, the Smiths. We talked yeah. about the Smiths, but I don't remember it when it was. It was just before your EP dropped. It had oh, been like a so week it would have before. been, yeah, like late October, early November. Yep. And where can people get that music? Oh, just everywhere, my friends. <laughs> and I did recently drop a single as well. So yeah, Spotify, iTunes, um, Google Play, Apple Music, whatever your your poison is. Uh, it's Glitter Ghost, all one word. Um, the new single is called Without You. Without You. And if I am doing a good job, I might drop in a sample of that right here. <laughs> Wow, that was incredible. Thank My you. life has changed. Thank you so much. Thank you. <laughs> um, I'm really, I'm just the channel, you know. Can't even take credit for it. Yeah, it really feels like the universe is invading my personal space in a good way. That's what I aim for. <laughs> a good personal invasion. Speaking of which, we're yeah. talking about Tears for Fears, uh, songs from the big chair today, along with the cover album by Brother Tiger, of a similar name. It's just called Brother Tiger Plays Songs, Songs from the Big Chair. Right? Yep. Uh, Ruby, tell us about Brother Tiger. Okay. Am I supposed to be saying it as two words? Is it one word? Is it supposed to be Brother Tiger? Brother Tiger. Brother Digger. Brother Digger. Brother Digger. It's Brother Tiger. Um, Brother Tiger, I'm so glad that you asked me because I just Googled it. You know what? He is one of my favorite artists and... Um, I have this thing where like, I think that other people know artists because they're my favorite ones and mm -hmm. he's apparently not even big enough to have a Wikipedia page. So that surprises me. Um, but yeah, apparently he's been making kind of like lo-fi pop, like synth pop, chill wave, that kind of, um, genre music since 2009. Um, not always as brother tiger. Apparently he had another moniker that he used first. His real name is John something. John something. It's J-A-G-O-S, but I'm not sure if you would say Jagos or Jagos or, you know, so I didn't want to, okay. I didn't want to fumble that. If only um, had a Wikipedia page. If only there was a Wikipedia <laughs> Just, page that would tell me how to pronounce it. Um, yeah, he's... Just Google John, you should find it. Yeah, it's a pretty rare name. It's just, Just in yeah. John. Yeah, John. Yeah. Just John. Just John. <laughs> um, anyway, he's John. he's uh yeah I I really love his music. He's one of my biggest inspirations actually, and um, and he's currently on tour, uh, in in the, the states. Mm. Actually, he's going I think in September. So if you also if you listen to this album and you know hear us talking about it, and you're like, wow, this guy sounds really cool, uh, you can go check him out live in the states. In, a, in about a month. That's for that sure not in Canada. Was that a good enough summary? I, th I think so, yeah. Okay. Alex, tell me about this weird band, Tears for Fears. 
Uh, I've never heard of them. Um, it's about it's two grown like, men who, who cry when they, they get scared. <laughs> what? Like, are they crying because they're afraid? Is that is that their deal? Could be. Is this? They're just these two guys. They're from like Bath or something like that. Bath. Oh, they're from. Are they British? Yeah, they are British. British. Okay. Yeah, they're British. Should I have known that? Uh, they were a band uh, in the eighties, and they. Uh, well, I can understand your confusion. You know, they, the uh, the head over heels music? music video was actually shot in Toronto, so. Oh. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah, but, that I, did I confuse that. me. I thought they were Canadian. Such an iconic part of my pre-youth. Your pre-youth? Yeah, isn't what, what, yeah. Is that like in pre-birth? Utero? Yeah, yeah. It was right. you know ten years before I was born. Gotcha. Ah, I see. I gotcha. I gotcha. So, uh, give or take. So, uh, where was I? Right. Yeah, they they like synthesizers, I guess, and they play music. Yeah, they're kind of classified as like synth rock and also new wave. Mm. Of course, I think they were like mid '80s, so anything with a synthesizer was new wave. Yeah, that's fair. I really thought new wave was all about the haircut. Anyway, was that where the wave comes in? I don't know. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, oh, maybe. I mean, I feel like so many things, so. '80s genres were really defined by how you looked, like glam rock, right? Mm-hmm. And like whatever flock of seagulls were. But I think glam rock also has an audible signature to it. Does it? Yeah. Okay. Like, I can find, because, like, Lou Reed gets classified as glam rock occasionally, and, like, Sweet would be yeah. two ones, and I can see similarities in the styles in the, there. Okay. Do you agree with that, Alex? Lou Reed and Sweet? Yeah. Oh, I don't know about that. I mean, I know there, there are sort of hallmarks of that, like, early 70s movement, uh, but I don't really know what happened. Like, tracing that to, like, Motley Crue or something like that. I guess Molly uh, Crew is glam rock, aren't There's they? There's also like, like, didn't they? Weren't they called like hair bands? Yeah. You know? There's hair metal. Yeah. Which is yeah. What hair metal falls under, which is yeah. kind of harder version of glam rock. Yeah. Which is really, I mean, but the the fact that hair is in the title tells yeah. me that like the look of the artist themselves has something to do with. Yeah, and I think that was definitely what they the, the bubblegum pop of its era. Right. And that it was very manufactured. Oh, okay, okay. I don't know these things. I also was just joking about their hair being the new wave part. <laughs> no, we, we take everything very seriously. Okay, no yeah. jokes in this zone. No joke zone. Sorry. Check those in at the fucking door. <laughs> so this is the second studio the- album from Ya Boys, as I've written here, which is to say uh, Kurt Smith and what is his name? Randolfo? No, Roland. Roland, Roland like Orzabal. Orzabal or, hang on, I've lost my It's page. Orzabal. Orzabal, wow. yeah. So these guys, they re- their first album they released was The Hurting, which my understanding of The Hurting before getting into this album was that it was a, just a critically acclaimed album. No, it was panned pretty hard by critics. I feel like all of their iconic really? hits are off of the, the songs from The Big Chair. Well, Mad World is off The Hurting. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. And uh, there's other big ones off that. Memories Fade, which is later semi-covered by Kanye West. Oh, um, that one's got some good uh, ones on it. See, we could have done a bonus segment where we just Pretty talked about other people's Tears for Fears covers. Oh man, yeah, it's like this is the weird thing about this album is we'll probably come back to, to individual some of the songs. songs later because yeah, everybody wants to rule the world alone has like everybody and their mother has covered it. Really? Yeah, yeah that was one of the first songs we talked about doing for this show, and we just kind of never got around. Yeah, because it. it's just so vast to cover. 
weirdly enough, there's the so Wikipedia much, like, I mean, page. There's a version by fucking Mojo Jojo in the Powerpuff Girls. Like, it's everywhere. Are you serious? Okay, you guys have to do this album, and all of you, you people listening out there, if you want to hear um, Jake and Alex cover um, covers of Everybody Wants to Rule the World, um, why don't you tweet at them and use the hashtag Everybody Wants to Cover This Song. <laughs> That's a good one. Thank you. It's better than anything we've done for like the past 10 episodes. Um, <laughs> yeah, while we're on that topic, if you guys want to shoot us an email at covermepod at gmail.com, you can ask us some questions to tell us what songs to cover. You know, hit us up. Um, yeah, so this is their second album. It peaked at number two in the UK, remained in the top 10 for over six months there. Peaked at number one in the US and Canada. Canada had spent nine non-consecutive weeks at number one, and then six months in the top three. It was number one in Germany and the Netherlands too, and like the top 10 in a bunch of other countries. So this album was wildly popular, and there's yeah. like four singles off of it. It's uh, Head Over Heels, yeah. Shout, uh, Everybody Wants to Rule Everybody the World, Wants to Rule the World, Mother's Talk, okay. and I Believe were all singles. Really? Yeah, sorry, Which, so that was like five or six. Wow, that was five, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and like a good three of those have actually like stuck. Yeah, well, Shout and Everybody Wants to Rule the World both hit number one. At least one. two, possibly three. Yes. Yeah. I, re- I very much I don't remember really know the significance of Head Over Heels, other than that it's a song that I knew. <laughs> right. That was only because of Funny or Die. Is that who did the literal music Is that videos? Because, yeah. According to the watermark on this YouTube video I have up right now. Yes. <laughs> that is also how I learned about That's, that song. Yeah, me too. And it is still my favorite so. version of it. <laughs> I can, I, we'll, we'll get to you it, should. but like the end of that song is, now I'm on, oh man, is the only thing I can hear when that part comes up. <laughs> um, yeah, so interesting fact is that Kurt Smith, who does the vocals on track three, which is Everybody Wants to Rule the World, mm-hmm. and track eight, is not the main vocalist. He's the bassist, and he only does lead vocals on those two tracks. Everything else he's a backup singer on. Oh, I did not notice the vocals change. I know. These guys sing very... I'm honestly uh, even I looking either. at them. Yeah. I watched, sorry. Are they the same person? You can trade them in and out. Wow. Yeah, absolutely. The, like, I only noticed they were different because of the music videos. Because you can see it's the other guy singing. But it is weird. Because yeah. they sound very similar. And I don't know if that's just because of, like, the way they process the vocals or something. They end up sounding the same. Yeah. I don't know if they would have that much effect on it. Yeah, I wish I could say more on that. So the album title comes from the 1976 TV film Sybil, wherein a woman who has a multiple personality disorder only feels safe when sitting in her big chair. Okay. So that's where she like kind of like decompresses, I guess, and analyzes her multiple personalities. So it's a it's her analyst. So it's like a therapist or something. Yeah. Right? And so, in the same sense, I get a vibe from this album that after the sort of critical panning they got for the hurting that they came back and kind of analyzed their own stuff and sort of took some of the criticism, but I think also lashed out against the what critics wrote, particularly in the song I Believe, but we'll talk about that later. And so that's just kind of my concept, my understanding of the album. I got a quote here. The quote says, The title was my idea, and this is Kurt Smith, the co-vocalist and bass player. It's a bit perverse, but then you've got to understand our sense of humor. The big chair idea is from this brilliant film called Sybil about a girl with 16 different personalities. 
She'd been tortured incredibly by her mother as a child in the only place she felt safe. The only time she could really be herself was when she was sitting in her analyst's chair. She felt safe, comfortable, and wasn't using her different faces as a defense. It's kind of an up yours to the English music press who really fucked us up for a while. This is us now, and they can't get at us anymore. So this is their album that is their safe space. Yeah, it's interesting. So it's supposed to be a fuck you to the music industry, but they also talk about making some compromises to be more commercially viable. And obviously it was much more successful mm-hmm. and well-received. So, Well, that's basically all the album background I have, unless anybody else has something to say. No, I'm feeling like I should have like listened to, what, what was it called, The Hurting? Uh, yeah. Yeah, their first album before listening to their second one to give it some some context. I had no idea about. Well, if you know uh, Mad World. Yeah. It's things are thematically similar to that. They were uh, sort of like some of the the gripes were that they were like wallowing and promoting sort of self pity and wallowing oh. in your own emotions kind of thing. Okay. They were also called Derivative of Joy Division and I think Ultravox. Among some other things. Okay. So they, they okay. just they were found to be too uh, too much of a downer. Gotcha. Okay. I would say say their music is still mostly like there's something gloomy about yeah. it. Even in some of the more upbeat songs, there's still like this like undercurrent of like. Yeah, there is a hang melancholy. And, gloom. and I do yeah. wonder, looking at some of the lyrics now, the ideas again of the Cold War are brought up. Oh, okay. And so the, the fear of nuclear annihilation, I think, runs through a lot of a 80s lot of media. That. Yeah, that makes sense. With that, let's jump into the first piece, Shout, which is written by uh, Roland Orzabal and Ian Stanley, who I think plays Keys, maybe? Or was one guy who like let them use his his uh, studio and like all his equipment and i think he's the keyboard player okay uh, so i know the producer is chris hughes is he that's not the guy okay yeah, i think ian stanley is that. the keyboard player yeah i think it is ian stanley all right so orzabal has to say of this the song was written in my front room on just a small synthesizer and a drum machine Initially, I only had the chorus, which was very repetitive, like a mantra. I played it to Ian Stanley, our keyboardist. Jesus, I should just read my quotes. And Chris Hughes, the <laughs> producer. I saw it as a good album track, but they were convinced it would be a hit around the world. That's Roland Orzabal, and that's not the first time he's going to be wrong about the value of a track. <laughs> <laughs> so this one is uh, its about protests, apparently, according to to Roland Orzabal and also Kurt Smith. So it's like, so it's not about primal screen therapy? No. Did you also look that... at the Wikipedia page for this? <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't actually. Does it mention that? It does, yeah. I, I think I, I think I heard someone talking about it who had read the Wikipedia page, I'm sure. Okay. Because it says, the Wikipedia quote says, a lot of people think that Shout is just another song about primal screen theory, continuing the themes of the first album. It is actually more concerned with political protest. came out in 1984, and a lot of people are still worried about the aftermath of the Cold War. It was basically an encouragement to protest. 
And you can see that yeah, in the, the line. Still happening at the time. These are the things I can, I can do, do without. without. It's like so you shout. So it's not it's not shouting to rid yourself of negative emotion. It is shouting about things you don't like about the world. Like, hey, let's not do that. Yeah, because in the first verse he says, "These are the things I can do without." Come on, I'm talking to you. So it's not him speaking to himself or shouting to get the emotions out. It's shouting for, uh, like, political change, essentially. And how you shouldn't need to radically change yourself and become violent because the world is violent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's uh, verse one there in Violent Times. In violent you should have to sell I'm your soul. On a little yeah. bit. Yeah, and the, there seems to be uh, lines throughout this album about sort of the, uh, the abuse of the working class. Like the line, those one-track minds that took you for a working boy. Mm-hmm. They kiss them goodbye, yeah, you shouldn't have to jump for joy. I can think of at least one other time where that comes up. Mm-hmm. Well, the working hour is, is about <laughs> a whole song yeah. about that. So it's, it's about these kind of ideas of being forced to kind of walk through what society says we're supposed to do, right? Mm-hmm. And he's saying here that you, have, you should shout to change that, to change this sort of compulsory life, but also that this shouldn't, like, it's, it shouldn't have to be this way. But since it is this way, here's what you got to do. I'm, it's such a powerful song. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I listened, so when I, I listened through, I went back and forth. I listened to each song, you know, the, yeah, the original sort of and then the cover yeah. back to back. And... That was the the one thing that I really noticed. Uh, the biggest difference between the two is that the original has so much um, passion and power behind it mm-hmm. um, that it just kind of like envelops you in in the feeling. I think yeah. that they were trying to create. Whereas, and and it's probably even just as simple as they were more motivated to to sing that message, you know, than somebody maybe covering it might yeah. be, especially living in, in such a different time. Although there's lots of things we could be shouting about right mm-hmm. now. I think the parallels um, as well. are strong now. Absolutely. Between the 80s and now, like, huge. Absolutely. Yeah, I don't think that Brother Tiger, um, like, captured that in yeah. any kind of a way. Uh, you can tell he's a fan of this album. Obviously, you yes. have to be to cover it. Yes. And like a lot of it is lovingly done in this, but it yes. does like a, quite a few of the, the songs he does kind of miss out on that key element. Yeah, I agree. It felt like this one, especially I, it felt really kind of like somebody had taken a dimmer switch on the original and kind of just turned it yeah, down. It was, it was like, that, I think I wrote that. It's like, if yeah. you need a, a version that's not going to get you amped up. Yeah. If you're like, I want to listen to shout, but I don't want to shout about it. I want to like maybe just room volume, mm-hmm. you know, or like speaking conversation volume, talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. Alex, what do you have to say about it? Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's definitely, like, with the Brother Tiger version, like you said, it, it's more, I'm, it's got that, like, chill wave feeling, I guess, yeah. that I would say it's more chill, for sure. Um, I don't know enough about chill wave to say that that's not how chill wave expresses that particular emotion. Chill wave, so, so chill wave is a really, like, hotly contested genre in, in which some people don't even, um, believe it to be a genre that is just kind of like this cutesy term that was like thrown around for a specific type of music that's really influenced by like 80s synth pop so really things like tears for fears joy division um 
and like it, it kind of became this cliche that was like just tapped tacked on to any artist that was making things that had that like kind of breezy 80s summery feel um and in fact it's it's somewhat reductive and a lot of the artists who were kind of slapped with that label felt like um like it was reducing them to something that they're not mm-hmm. um right so it almost so- be like calling someone a mumble rapper like they're not calling yeah. themselves that yeah totally um and it, the, the, that kind of idea of chill wave or like the rise of chill wave happened really quickly and died just as quickly. Um, and that's not to say that those artists still aren't producing music. Like Toro Imwa is still very much alive and producing music. Um, Brother Tiger, Twin Shadow, Chad Valley, like all of them are still producing. I just think that that label of chill wave has died and they're, they're kind of like doing what they actually are doing, which is more like a synth pop um, yeah, or like dream pop synth, or yeah. yeah, absolutely kind of a thing. Um, the interesting thing about this album, uh, the brother tiger version, it comes from a, um, what is the word that I want? A label. This, some guy started a label called reimagine music and the whole, like his whole vision for it was just to have artists record cover songs or albums covering um older albums um or albums like making tribute to an artist so he really had this idea of kind of reimagining or re-envisioning the music that he had grown up with so music from his past or like that we all i guess collectively have a nostalgia for so i think that's that's where this came out of i think the pairing of the two artists just based on brother tiger's um musical abilities like what he specializes in it makes a lot of sense to pair him with an artist like tears for fears and have him re-envision that um i don't know where i was going with this i'm just talking yeah well to jump on that point about sort of pairing them the one thing i noticed that brother tiger does very well is the percussion sections ah yes there's a lot like tears for fears is a lot of this weird interesting percussion and like some hand drums in in there and he's done a good job of like Yes, anding that, throwing mm. his own little spin on it, throwing mm-hmm. in shakers here and stuff there. So yeah, I thought it was interesting to see his percussive work as a sort of music producer rather than synth work. Right. Interesting. I didn't really listen to it from that like percussion angle, but I definitely it's like I see that a little more layered, a little more obviously electronic. Mm-hmm. Well, particularly when some of his pieces here, like with Shout, it really is just like you fucking patched the synth. It's like synth 2.0 now. And you're like, oh yeah. Like it sounds like, the same, cool. but it's newer. Yeah, but now it's, yeah, now it's Upgrade. in the 2000s. Yeah. 2010. Version 2.1. Yeah. Um, there's a music video for this one. It's got them singing and hanging out on some cliffs and shit. Yeah, this one, I, I watched it, but I don't really remember it. Yeah, I kind of like. They sh- they're shouting. They're the, shouting. They are shouting. I guess the ocean. I would hope that they would be shouting. And yeah, so the things that kind of pull this song together are that uh, I think it's a synth pad that does that. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Love that part. Yeah, that's like the main driving riff that, uh, that couples with the mantra <laughs> effect of shout, which it's interesting that Tears for Fear is the sing style on this is like, like it does give you a big energy, but it's not mm-hmm. very like. It's not aggressive. No, it's quite subdued. Yeah, but it has kind of like kinda, this building it's weird. intensity mm-hmm. like in some way, way. Sorry. Go like ahead, Alex. Talking and I just. Okay, sorry. Did I interrupt you? <laughs> no, no, no. We're waiting on you now. Okay, cool. Um, like the way this thing, it's so like dramatic and over the top. You know, like it's very. 
maybe even melodramatic. I don't know. You know what it is? Is like it's like when it sounds so. Yeah. When like right, if you're watching it? like Karate Kid or something, like the the dude, it's the dude in the audience watching the fight who's like <laughs> who's saying shout, like that's the tone of it, where he's like yeah. he's trying to like keep it under yeah. his breath a little, but it's kind of intense. It's like, shout, shout. If that makes sense. Kind of does. I don't know. In in a weird way that I can't put into words. Sorry, I cut you off though when I brought up my idiot example. Do you do you have something else to say? <laughs> do I have something else to say? Yeah, on that point. Because I cut no, you I off don't think on so. something. It's just like I don't know, it's very like dramatic and almost to the point of like cheesiness. Yeah. But like it's fun I don't know. I, I I'm okay with it. Yeah, they I can were see criticized it being for being emotional as for well. People. Wow. The other thing about the music video okay. is like right at the end they have a whole group of people and they're all like playing together. Yeah. And they're all like facing the camera, right? So it's not like they're playing to an audience. The audience is with them. Mm-hmm. So that kind of uh, supports the like protest theme. Yeah. Because they're all together. Shouting in the same direction. Here's my other take. Here's my other, my other try on it. So if you yes. went to like a protest and you would hear all the voices speaking in unison, right? If they were, if they were doing the chant. Yes. But right. if you just took all the voices away but one, that would be the tone in Tears for Fears. Yeah. Okay. So that... So shout is the perfect song. Yeah. For them. It really is. It's the perfect it song. It really is the perfect song. And this song. one's got some, some cool breakdowns with the instruments. Does it, have, it has a guitar solo, too. This is a big prog rock think, piece. So you get these big, gotcha. big embellishments of... There's definitely a lot of that feel on the whole album, that mm-hmm. prog rock element of songs being six to seven minutes long. Yeah, and making a music yeah, video for that is exhausting. It's like, why would you even do that to yourself? I don't know. But this is a short it. film at this point. Yeah. Yeah. You have to have a whole, a whole plot. Here's another question. Mm-hmm. Okay. Kind of. About the music video. <laughs> so right at the end, They've got everyone together, like, on a stage. Yeah. But then it backs out, and, like, they're clearly on a stage. You can see all the lights, and you can see, like, the speakers and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, the monitors. Does that mean anything? About, like, the manufactured nature of their outrage and protest? Maybe. Or something Because they're still like part of the system, man? Yeah. I feel like that's Because they were talking about how, like, they were sort of the trying theme. to make it more pop-oriented. Mm-hmm. Despite everything. Right, so know. they still had to make like an appealing pop piece about rebelling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe there's something Which in that. Contradiction of sorts. Yeah. Uh, worth noting, this song is referenced in the Outcast track "Wheels of Steel." Is it? Yeah, where he says, "Drop like tears, like for fears, you know, shout, shout, let it all out, just for my peers." Nice. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I like that very much. Yeah, it's tight. <laughs> That's off the album AT Aliens. Drop like tears, like the fears. You know, shout, shout, let it all out just for my peers. Um, yeah, so the main synth in the Brother Tiger version has an almost like Super Nintendo NES quality to it. See, but I'm all about that. Like. Yeah, oh yeah, I'm not saying that's a bad thing. <laughs> oh, I'm just okay. saying that is You're a just thing. noticing it. I'm just noticing it. Things we notice. Um, yeah, more subdued. Um, does not yeah. sound like his echo says let it all out. 
<laughs> She's You're not like, enunciating. Are you on sure? That. He's like, let it out. <laughs> what? Let it out. <laughs> yeah, I see. I love Brother Tiger's vocals just in general. I think they have like this really nice kind of soft and ethereal feel to them. But mm-hmm. um, on this track, I'm like, it's just not doing what. I mean, we just spent so much time talking about what the Tears for Fears one is doing, and his yeah. is not. It do, he doesn't have the intensity to yeah, carry I that. Think he doesn't. He doesn't bravely take his vocals anywhere. Like on other tracks, he does yeah. veer off the path of the original. Yes, quite a bit. and on we this will one, talk about that. It's just like a shadow of the original. Yeah. Like, eh. Yeah. But I We're mean, like how? Into the station here. You talking about the train? Yeah, there's yeah, a train, train, Alex. <laughs> Get over it. <laughs> I don't even hear it anymore until people bring it up. You're like, oh. <laughs> well, well I don't have a train, so. Well. Live with a train for three I'm months. I'm lucky for you. I'm lucky for you, Alex. Um, anything else to say about this first track? I feel comfortable moving on to the working hour. Alex? Uh, I think it's the working hour. <laughs> this is the working hour. We are paid by those. Yeah, this song slaps. I love this (laughs) song. Kind of, it's kind of like, I mean, it's got that going up thing, and like, yeah, it's got this killer ass sax going through the piece that I really thought about much because it's not one of the like hits that we remember. Mm -hmm. But it's got that man. Why isn't it though? What a great track. Yeah, it's a phenomenal piece. So you got this saxophone, which like takes the lead at the start. And it does this very cool thing where it kind of plays behind the vocals on the like the chorus, and then as soon as the vocals stop, it just kind of like takes off and takes the lead. It's very cool. Oh my gosh, dead air! Sorry, I got distracted because I was listening to it. Alex, okay. God damn it, Alex! You're supposed to do your homework before the show. See, well, you see, he's got the advantage of being able to play it in the background, uh, which I do too. When, we're, when it's, it's just the just two, the of, two of, us. of you. Yeah. yeah. I okay, so I have I have a confession to make. Okay. Okay, so I heard the Brother Tiger version of this song first. Mm-hmm. Um, so then when I listened to the original, which obviously is, I mean, it's Tears for Fears, it's amazing. But when I listened to the original with my context being, you know, reversed, mm-hmm. the saxophone made it sound very dated to me. That's fair. And that's what I'm going to yeah, say. Yeah, that's probably one of the more, like, distinctively 80s elements yes. of this, is the way they use the saxophone. Yes. I was like, oh, yeah, okay, oh, right, it's the 80s. Yeah. Yeah, because, and a lot of this album is kind of, like, I think, I'm trying to remember who said it. There's a quote where it's, like, it's simultaneously, like, timeless and, like, incredibly, like, mid-80s zeitgeist. Right. Yeah. Somehow. Like, and it really does have both of those things. Mm-hmm. And the saxophone I really totally does pull get you that. back into the yeah. 80s setting. 
Because, yeah, that saxophone is definitely 80s, but it also, like, it sounds good. I've heard bad 80s sax. Yes. This is not it. This is yeah. not bad 80s sax, but it does remind you that, yeah. oh, yeah, okay, this is old. This, like, this is, is older this than is me. <laughs> older than I am, yeah. Um, whereas, like, Shout is, yeah, super timeless. It feels like nothing about it makes me feel like I'm listening to an album that, yeah, predates my own existence. Mm-hmm. So... Um, that was the one thing that I really noticed. Yeah. Yeah. So we get a sort of, whereas like the shout was a kind of build up instrumentally throughout the entire song. Yeah. We kind of get the first minute of this one, which sets up that soundscape and just keeps adding pieces. So you get the saxophone, you get some hand drums come in and the keys, and then you get the, those descending like guitar chords. Mm-hmm. So that's a, that's a different approach to setting up the song, but I think it's a great Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a pretty long introduction like the lyrics don't come in for i think about two minutes yeah you're right it's, it takes that two minutes to get in yeah wow it's a two minute setup a two minute setup how very <laughs> yeah. talking heads <laughs> uh interestingly enough the arrangements and i'm this is where i have to admit i don't really understand what arrangements mean in music but <laughs> the drums and sax arrangements are by jerry Moroda, who is a, a staple for peter gabriel nice so if you notice any similarities there, yeah, there. Oh, I'll have to listen back so for that. Not so much this song, but there's some real Peter Gabriel sounding stuff later on. Yeah. Which I forget what the song is. Mm-hmm. But we'll talk about it. And around the, the 245 Salisbury mark, Hill. We get that saxophone <laughs> yeah, thing Salisbury where it Hill's doesn't sound like it knows what it wants to say. Or it's just kind of like... Sorry, sax, did you have something to say? I can relate to that saxophone. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much what. <laughs> no, just, I, then I, yeah, yeah, like that. Or, okay. Uh, yeah. It's exactly. You sound like the saxophone right now. Were you talking? Sorry. I kind of was, and then we 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 <laughs> we played the saxophone parts on each other. <laughs> so this was yeah. almost the album title. Really. The working hour. Yeah. The working hour. Then it wasn't. And I mean. And then it wasn't. You mentioned there's a lot of themes around this. Uh, this one seems to be. Hang on, where's my where are my notes on this? Obviously, they talk about like fear of of isolation and like being alone. Mm-hmm. And I assume they're crying about it because that's their name. Yeah. Well, if um, they're fearing the right something, and, like, then there's definitely gonna be some tears. There's gonna be some tears. That's that's the agreement. Tears that for is. fears. <laughs> yeah. No fear without so, like, tears. The, and, the like big line of this song, it's in the chorus. They say it twice. Mm-hmm. Is we are paid by those who learn by our mistakes. Mm-hmm. So like, I just want to know what you what you think about that line, and what what you think that means. I think it's I don't know. I I'm very anti corporation. <laughs> yeah. Anti employment right. on a big level. Yeah, man. I think we may have gone in the same direction, but we'll see. Yeah. So I feel like that what we learn growing up is that we are meant to learn from our mistakes. Right. We're in, now in this, the working system, this is the working hour, we are paid by those who learn from our mistakes. So we are given a, like a paltry compensation to be guinea pigs, essentially, for a, a richer individual. That's okay, I had something similar. Yeah. For me, it was more like, so it, in my job, there was recently like a number of, of layoffs. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was kind of thinking about this kind of stuff, too. Um, and the way I read it was, like, 
at, when they say our mistakes, mm -hmm. it's not necessarily our mistakes, but they become our mistakes. So, like, the people above us, if they make a mistake, we still have to, you know, we still have to pay for those mistakes. But we're paid by them, but that's not the same pay. Right. Okay, so is that, in is that too much? Is that too the payment is too many necessarily the is also the payment can also be the laying off like it's like we're paid in the same way you pay someone back like revenge style. Yeah, maybe that's not like totally how I read it, but it was like the mistake. It's like someone you know invested too much in China, and someone else lost their job because of it. So it's like it's not our mistake, but. Right. But it becomes our mistake because we're punished for it. Oh, see, I see it more, more the way you thought of it, Jake, is like profiting off of, like somebody being rich enough to not have to make the mistakes to do the learning and then profiting off of watching what works and what doesn't work, that someone else is doing that work, mm -hmm. right? And it is that idea. Like as soon as it says um, learn by you know learn and our mistakes i think about that because that is yeah. a common sentiment like you need to learn from your mistakes right so i do see that as being like if you're rich enough you can learn things secondhand you don't even have to get your hands dirty in order to profit right yeah. like in order to benefit from a mistake it doesn't even have to be your own because you know so they don't have to risk take the risk of the mistakes um, but still get the benefit of the the knowledge. This is so unfortunate. Our last week's, or I guess two weeks ago now, episode is a lost episode because I accidentally deleted my audio. Oh, no. But it was Rich Girl. Oh, I love that song. You can rely on the old man's money. Yes. I, I, but you won't get too far. Yeah. So it's sort of the other half of that. These are the people being paid by the rich individual who doesn't really grow, mm -hmm. but they learn by the mistakes of others. Yes. Like they'll see what works and what doesn't work, but that doesn't mean that they necessarily understand it, mm -hmm. right? Like you're the person, you're being paid, you're getting the actual knowledge, yeah. the on-job on knowledge, um, but still you're not really the person benefiting from that Yeah. the most. Ax, if you could point me to some other line that gives the idea that other mistakes are being hauled on to the, the lower class workers, I would buy into your interpretation more. Sure, I think I like yours better anyway. Okay. Because I think that's kind of the direction I was heading in, but I didn't quite make it all the way there. Fair enough. I think my my favorite part, I really do like the lyrics in this song. My mm -hmm. favorite lines are, um, fear is such a vicious thing, it wraps me up in chains. Mm -hmm. Find out, find out what this fear is about. Yeah, and even yeah. saying that, it's tough to not just try and sing along to it right now. Yeah. It just rips. Oh, totally. Yeah. I actually, when I first heard the Brother Tiger version, I was having this like crazy week um, where I was like totally wrapped up in anxiety, which kind of like hit me out of nowhere. And I like went to my friend's house and I was like, what is happening to me? And I described all of the things that were happening. And she was like, yeah, that's anxiety. And I was like, oh, <laughs> and as I drove home, I like went to shuffle my Spotify songs and this song came up and as soon as those lines came up find out find out what this fear is about i was like i'm gonna put this on repeat now and listen to it the rest of my 20 minute drive home um yeah it's uh it's so good and like motivating i feel like it it like hearing that motivated me to like dig into my anxiety and figure out where that was coming from rather than like write it off as like i probably had too much caffeine or something yeah. you know 
Yeah, and it's this one does a good job where Shout kind of has the uh, the calmness and the intensity in one mm-hmm. in the chorus. Mm-hmm. This one has these very calm verses. Like this is a great song to play going to work if you're kind of tired and you're like, yeah, oh, fuck, because the verses play very nicely into that kind of drowsy state. And then it, it gets high on the chorus, and then it rips with the the find out section. Yeah. Like it's the intensity builds in this one instead of just being there present. Yeah. Anything from you, Alex? Uh, no, I don't think I have anything to add. I mean, you got a got some good coverage there. Yeah. So uh, looking at the Brother Tiger version, I suppose. There's a, there's a flute sound and riff on that one. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah it comes the in at the beginning of this one almost was like trap poppy. Mm-hmm. Oh, like yeah. Filter sweeping yes. some flute sounds. Like. Yeah, and like he's, that was he my does a good job at setting up the soundscapes on a lot of these tracks. I agree. This one for me still fell short in the vocal performance. Like it wasn't... Yeah, I mean, I think he was... Like his focus is really, I, I thought, the, uh, the production. Just reading like an interview from, what is it? Uh, 2015 talked about how Songs for the Big Chair is his favorite album mm. and he immediately talks about the production quality mm. that he is, and that's what he strives for so I really think that was his his focus yeah and in doing that I think he knocked it out because he sets yeah. up one that like is reminiscent of the original but this is like you could not mistake one for the other this is very clearly his own production yeah definitely and yeah, he does things like adds a new synth line, like after every uh, repeat of the chorus and stuff. Like he layers stuff. It's, it's yeah, it's well done. But again, the vocals fall short for me, and that's my big gripe with this one. That's fair. I don't. I uh, I like his vocals on this one, um, and I I like that it feels more modern. And as Alex said, it kind of has like a tropical trop pop kind of feel to it. There is something mm-hmm. kind of like jungly or yeah. Um, very cool. I think that the instrumentation is very rich and I can, um, like, I mean, I just described my story, but I can literally listen to that song on repeat and not like I can get lost in it. Yeah. And then I like that about it. Yeah. It doesn't have the same like intensity as shout. So I think his vocals work a little better in this one. Right. Yeah. All right. With that, let's move on to everybody, everybody wants, wants to, to rule, rule the world. world. up if you could play this on bass for those uh, of you who, who aren't in the room <laughs> jake's hand is up <laughs> oh i can probably where, play that yeah okay. where, where kurt smith takes the vocals it won gotcha. best single in 1986 at the brit awards yeah and everyone and their mother has recorded a cover of this yeah, there's so many covers of this song. We spent like a day one time just listening to covers of this. There was a lot of slow piano stuff. Yeah, the yeah. raddest one is where the guy has that like, what was it? It was like a, a like a a big wheel. Is that what it's called? What I was? think so. Like he's just the like weird kids bike. Thing. Oh, okay, no, no, I'm not talking about that one. But I do remember that. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> no, he like had that. Uh, it's like 
almost like he you hit it with mallets. It's got a bunch of strings on it. Oh yeah, that's right. I forget what it's called, but it's like yeah, it's like a stringed instrument. You play with mallets. Yeah, that sounds like, cool. So he like recorded that cover, and then Kurt Smith saw it, and when then they went and recorded a cover with him, where Kurt Smith brought like some friend with one of those drums you sit on, and then Kurt Smith just wasn't sang that just it. the wasn't that oh you know I assumed that that was that that was Orzabal, but it. Yeah, I don't know I don't if they're you. that tight. I don't I don't know what the Tears for Fears relationship is like now, but it's a dulcimer. A dulcimer. That's the instrument. So this song is written by Orzabal, Ian Stanley, and Chris Hughes. Orzabal played two chords on the acoustic for Hughes, and they were like, "Oh fuck yeah, bud!" And then they recorded it. <laughs> two chords. That's it. So he. I guess it must have been a great progression. Wow. And they're like, yeah. It's also got, I mean, rhythmically, it's a little different from the other ones. It's more like, it's more of a shuffle, they, they called it. Yes. Um, which is a little unusual for Tears for Fears. See, that's where you get that kind of swing note in the rhythm, right? Yeah, it feels, it's got a little bit of a triplet feel to it. Mm -hmm. um, kind of like Rosanna, if you want to. Oh, God. Oh, I want to. How dare you compare this song to that song? Rosanna! Alex is a huge Rosanna fan. Are you serious? <laughs> so is Greta. It, it, it upsets me. Really? Because the clear best Toto song is Hold the Line. Obviously. 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 Yeah, every time I said Alex, I was like, Dude, Rosanna. I did good. not know Rosanna was a Toto song. <laughs> it, it just sounds like a terrible like sitcom opener <laughs> to me. Like, just gonna shit all over Rosanna. I didn't I'm so sorry. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> it used to play all the time at the pharmacy that I worked at in my early 20s, and it was I was just like, what the what the Rosanna. what is this shit? <laughs> okay, yeah. I'm so, so sorry, Alex. So you're right. There's a there's an upbeat nature to this piece that comes from the rhythm, but the song itself, according to Kurt Smith is quite serious. It's about everybody wanting power, about warfare, and the misery it causes. What is this really song about? War that was going well, it's about how everybody desires power. Okay. I guess. Th there's interesting lyrics in here. So this is one that brings up the idea of a, a nuclear oh. holocaust. At least that's my reading of it now, understanding from the, something Jesus said. Okay. There's a room where the light won't find you. Yeah. Holding, Holding hands, hands while, while the, the walls, walls come tumbling, tumbling down. down. So glad we've we almost, almost made, made it. it. So glad, so sad they had to fade it. Everybody wants to rule the world. Oh, it is just about the Cold War, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. <laughs> um, somebody on. I Genius? can't stand this indecision. <laughs> yeah, that's a real wow. Cold War line. Yeah. Um, but yeah, somebody thought that maybe the first and second verse were a, a, a comparison of communism and capitalism. So he says, welcome to your life. There's no turning back. Even while we sleep, we will find you. Act okay, yeah. So that's like a communism. Yeah, like a, 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 a big brother kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the sure. next one is, it's my it's own design. It's my own remorse. Yeah. Help me to decide. Help me make the most, most of, freedom of freedom and of pleasure. Oh, man. That's uh, that's pretty insightful. Yeah. That uh, genius usually those, doesn't do good on it. I was just going <laughs> to say, those genius... Because it's just whoever wants to write on it. And usually I'm like, this person doesn't have an English degree. <laughs> <laughs> but that one, yep, I can see that. Alex, what are your thoughts on the lyrics? My thoughts on the lyrics? Tell me. What are my if thoughts? If you have on the some. I mean, yeah, it's like Cold War. -y. 
It's uh, Cold War. I don't have many thoughts. But you know, I never thought about it in a Cold War context when I was listening to it casually. It wasn't until no. this week that it. Right, not Cold War necessarily, but still like talking about people, people's desire for power, and like, I honestly didn't think too much about like the third verse. Mm. Before I don't know. And uh, yeah, I, I I don't know, man. I, like before the Cold War idea, I kind of just let it go. Yeah, it was, there's too much of it. I don't know. Yeah, I, I just thought it was kind of a, well, the what, the line that sticks out to me that I still don't really know is "Say that you'll never, 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 never need it." One headline: Why believe it? Hey, it's Jake from the less distant past here. Um, hearing this line now, I'm thinking it that you'll never need is the nuclear bomb. And uh, the one headline is probably related to nuclear bombs. I would guess I'm just going to take a shot in the dark and say the Cuban Missile Crisis. And that's been Cold War Facts with me. Back to the regular episode. Like, I really like that line, but I don't know what it means. You're like, wow. It sounds cool. There's, like, the way when they're playing, there's so many things that just, like, come in. Never, never, yeah. Never, never, never. And again, that's when they're, like, pumping up their, their vocals expect. and going hard. This is a song, I'm just going to confess this, this is a song I remember hearing all the time growing up, like, driving places, because mm-hmm. it was always on, like, Light 96 or whatever, the yeah. adult contemporary station. <laughs> um, and I, d- I didn't think that I liked it that much. Mm. I was like, yeah, whatever. It's like a yeah, whatever song. And then when I listened to it, when I was preparing to be on this show today, I was like, wow. This song slaps. It slaps so hard. This song is so like, good. Like, I was just like throwing it on, and like I usually don't sing in the house because I know that like it's thin walls. Right. In there. But then this came on, I was like, everybody. It's so good. It's hard not to. I mean, there's a reason it's been covered so many it's times. It's just so iconic. Yeah. It, like, it's, it's a good name. It's a long name that is also somehow like catchy. Mm-hmm. It's, it's weird. And it's yeah, it shouldn't be like on a base it level. It's just about how everybody craves power in some way or another. Which I guess could be relatable. Like, yes, it's obviously written about the Cold War. Yeah. I'm going to say obviously. But it could be applied to almost anything. It's we all want to feel in control. Yeah. Like, on the base level, that's what it's about beyond the Cold War, I would say. And, um, yeah, like, the, the, the title line is uh, anthemic. Everybody wants to rule the world. Like, everybody can get in on that. It's so nice. Yeah. So much good stuff about this song. Yeah. Uh, 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 uh. And this, I think this is another one that Orzabal was like, yeah, this might be fine, might be filler. I don't have a quote for him on that, so maybe it's not this one. I think it's Head Over Heels that says that about. <laughs> okay. But, uh, yeah, he's just, I just see him talking about the shuffle beat. Yeah. So with the Brother Tiger version, this is one where I think his vocal performance really actually shone through. Because he yeah. stepped off the beaten path and kind of did his own things. Did I think he does some vocal layering on this one? Yeah, he's got a double track. Definitely. Yeah, and then he the, since this one already has that shuffle rhythm to it, he kind of ups the the synth dance vibe on it a bit too. Yeah, I said. Yeah, it, this one's this one's way more dancey. Yeah, it's it, almost it, got like this clave thing going on. Mm-hmm. A what what? Can you repeat that, Alex? I said it's almost got this clave thing clave. going on right at the beginning. What's clave? It's just the clicking. Oh yeah, okay. Ah. It felt um, it felt beachy to me, and and this was the first one that I really felt like he kind of played with the song rather than just kind of staying true and modernizing. Mm-hmm. Like I felt like he actually 
inserted a little bit more of himself and this is into a it. Critical song to do that. Oh for, yeah, because there are so many covers. Yes, of this. yeah, that yeah. makes sense now. Yeah. Definitely, like this seems from what I remember, this is one of the like more distinct versions of this song mm-hmm. that, from the ones we listened to. And this was like a real make or break it for the album for me. Like, for his cover album, because, like, if right. this was just the same, it would have been, like... Like a write-off. Yeah, write yeah. the whole project off. But that he was willing to take some moves and kind of push his own style on this, that, like, reassured me. Yeah, I mean, this is, like, the Tears for Fears song. Mm-hmm. As much as they have other hits, and maybe Mad World. Yeah. Mad World has some high-profile covers. This is, like, Tears for Fears, everybody wants to rule the world. That's their thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, with this one, it, it kind of turns into more of that style of uh, song we talk about where it's a backing track with vocals. Because like, he sets up a good soundscape again, but it's not a very, uh, like it doesn't evolve a lot. Mm. It kind of sets up what it is, and it's catchy and good in that, right? And then you just put the vocals on top of it. And since he actually works with the vocals and does interesting things, it makes a successful piece. But you don't think it actually progresses that much? No, I don't think so. Unless you noticed some more. Musically? Like, because with some of the dumb no, things it's, he it's does, like, he'll similar. add in a new synth or he'll, like, take pieces away. But this one, I felt it was very straight throughout. Alex yeah, yeah, I'm right kind of hearing that, like, too. It's, like, yeah, it okay. there's not a ton of progression. Mm-hmm. Which isn't bad. It's not bad. I'm not saying no, it's bad. No, because the just... original song, well, the original song kind of does, because it has, but mostly in its, like, alternate section. Like, it has its kind of main through line. And then they do the, like, say that you'll never, 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 never. Yeah, because, like, I mean, you, know. you and I literally know how to play this song. And the bass line is just... And the keys is just... And that doesn't even last for that long. Yeah. Yeah, because then it's just the... Like, it is a very simple piece. Yeah. It's sometimes, for me, just seeing a cover of it kind of reveals that more to me. Uh, so that's, okay. that's what's happened here. It's it like, ca- oh, it, it is just a backing track yeah, and then vocals it on It kind of strips away the um, the iconicness of it, and you can actually see what it... Like, the yeah, parts, right? you can see right? the working You're parts. You're like, oh, okay, so it really is just that. Yeah. Yeah, sometimes it's it's interesting to see just how simple some of those really iconic hits um, mm-hmm. are. Um, yeah, my bandmate Kristen was sharing a similar insight. She had just watched a um, DVD, a live DVD of the Rolling Stones, and she was like, "Man, like these guys really get a crowd going." But if you really just look at what they're playing, it's not a whole lot. Yeah. You know, it's quite simple. Um, but things don't have to be crazy complicated to be masterpieces that's right mm-hmm. sometimes you just need that reminder yeah anything else to say about this one before we move on it's four chords and the truth man yeah i'm not <laughs> all right shall these mothers talk about mother's talk Yeah, 
so for some reason on Spotify, it lists Bob Clearmountain as having some role in this. Yeah, and does he not have a I'm not sure. I'm wondering if he did the remasters, because on Wikipedia... Who is he? Bob Clearmountain is a producer. He did Summer of 69. Okay. Um, he did, I think, David Bowie's Let's Dance album. Okay. Um, Born in the USA okay. album, um, among like a cool. bunch of others. Like he's a big time producer. Okay. Actually, that's funny because I was watching a live performance of this, and they were talking about like how their music was changing, and Born in the USA was one of the things that came up. Hmm. They were like, we were even listening to some of that Bruce Springsteen at the time. Embarrassingly, like, ah, British people. British people. So this was this was a taster song for uh, for songs from the Big Chair, the second album, on which we unashamedly try to become more commercial. So this is uh, Roland Orzabal okay. talking. I was against it, but I was swayed by some of the people that I was working with. They wanted to come out all guns blazing, but I wasn't ready for that. It's from this point, though, that things really started to explode. I don't know. So this was released, uh, this was one of their earlier singles, so I guess maybe it did. It's a very... This is maybe, like, the most energetic Tears for Fears song. Yeah, I mean, it, like, especially the intro. It comes in with those, like, strings, and then there's this, like, real, like, dance beats. Yeah, and those strings are sampled from a Barry Manilow record. The strings, you think? Yes, I, I know, because it said so on Wikipedia. <laughs> <laughs> I know. You're cutting out a little bit, so I'm, I'm piecing something. Okay, yeah, so the strings are sampled from a Barry Manilow track. Okay. I don't know which one. It just said a Barry Manilow record, so... Uh. Yep, that's all it says. Mm-hmm. So the song stems from two ideas. One is something that mothers say to their children about pulling faces. They say the child will stay like that when the wind changes. The other idea is inspired by the anti-nuclear cartoon book When the Wind Blows by Raymond Briggs. Which is a nice quote, but I've never heard of that phrase of like, when the wind changes, your face will stay like... Well, like, one, face, like, like don't, don't frown, you might never be able to do anything else again like i've heard that yeah it's like your, your face but is never gonna heard stay like, like that anything about gotcha. the wind. i've never heard it yeah attached to the weather but i have heard that your face will stay that way yeah well i think the when the wind blows comes from the the, the nuclear the cartoon blows. book when the mother's talk when the wind blows oh, oh i guess oh, so is it like a new one of those nuclear like fallout type winds is that what it is yeah so I, again i think we got another cold war piece here where the idea is some advice his mother gave him oh i see but right, also right. the the, the cold war also, he says weekend. Is that right? He, yes. At some point, he says weekend. Is it supposed to be why. like like the weekend, or is it supposed well, to be like the musical artist? The no, weekend. <laughs> obviously not. Are you sure? Yeah, just, I don't know. I think he just forgot the. E or is it like weekend, or is it we can't? <laughs> it's weekend. We can work it out. Genius says it's weekend. Yeah, I know. But it doesn't. I don't know what it means. And there's definitely like I've listened to if it. There it is, is a like a, a D sound weekend. on it. There is. We can. Could you say like? I just thought that that mothers talked on the weekend. I thought that that seriously. I did not understand this song. Yeah, this one I am I'm lost lyrically. And also not gonna lie, don't like it that much. We can work it out. We can work it out. You know, he just repeats himself. Yeah, it's not. Um, It's not that you're not good enough. It's just that we can make you better. Again, this one has. Okay, so I. No, go ahead. Yeah, I had this whole thing going Mm -hmm. where I was like, this song is about. Like growing up, like starting at birth, when with shout, when there's literally a birth because the baby's crying and there's lots of shouting, mm-hmm. and then the working hours, like about 
learning about the world or something, and so is everybody who wants to rule the world. And then Mother's Talk was about, like, dealing with, with parental influence and, and, and forming your own identity around that. Mm-hmm. And, like, trying to push through and become, like, an adult, uh, despite maybe not being able to, or, or facing trouble from, from parents or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I couldn't I couldn't bring it all the way around. I couldn't move past this song. Yeah, I don't I don't know. So I think I, I don't know. I'll tell you this: this is another one that brings up the idea of of getting a, a capitalist society, where he says, "We well, given the, that you pay the price, we can keep you young and tender, following the footsteps of a funeral pyre. You were paid not to listen. Now your house is on fire." Um. Sorry, I think I wrote some stuff about this, but I can't find it. Okay, well, let me tell you, the, um, the, this conceptually... Yes, it, it does seem to have that. It's like talking about like the value, like valuing youth over maybe experience. Mm-hmm, and the, that we are often paid to do things that are not in our best interest. Hmm. Right. So you were paid yes. not to listen, now your house is on fire. Which is like... I mean, applies pretty well to probably any time period, but it's definitely something we've been talking a lot about these days. Mm-hmm. In terms of, like, politically speaking. And then, wake me up when things get started, when everything starts to happen. What do you think that's about, Alex, huh? Implying <laughs> that things aren't happening? Is this a sort of a line about how we, particularly in Western society, are always like future facing we're always like i gotta get to that thing so i can get to the next thing to do the next thing right you're like the kind of biding your time until something happens yeah we don't really value the present so much as the future right instead of acting when you can so it's like wake me up when things get started you know when when the shit i'm I'm looking for is gonna happen on the weekend yeah living for the weekend living for the weekend I think there's a lot of ideas in this song. I, they might all come together, but I'm not sure yet. Mm-hmm. Well, I know the beat of the drum I mean, is the fear of the they're talking about the weather burning, so there's... Would this have been the right time for them to be talking about, like, holes in the ozone layer? Like, were there... There must have been environmental concerns at the time. Well, yeah, with all that hairspray they were using, it's... Yeah. <laughs> of course. Yeah, like... Lyrically, I, I'm looking at it now. I still don't really have a good... I can't piece much together, honestly. It might... Maybe this is one that works more as an album song than, a, than as a single. It seems to just kind of speak to ideas of societal stress that come up in the other songs. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But it was also made first, like before any of the other ones. Interesting. I mean, it's, it's definitely more like got that like world outward looking feel of a lot of the rest, or some of the rest. Like everybody wants to rule the world mm-hmm. and shout. Definitely have. Yeah, I feel you. I feel you. I feel you. I felt like this song was. Uh, I'm gonna say aggressively '80s. Yeah, what is that? That's like is a, that the bass or is it a synth? But it's so, I was just like, okay, whoa, yeah, all right. It's very cacophonous. This yeah, one. I was like, I don't want, like, I was listening to it. I went on a walk. I was listening to it in headphones. I'm like, I don't want this in my ears. Thank you. No. 
Yeah, it's definitely not my not high on the album list for me. I still like appreciate it. I think I appreciate like the intro more than anything. Yeah. Just like, my feet just foam with the change in the weather. I'm like, yeah, and then the rest of it, I'm like, dude. You're like, oh my god, oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> help. I, that we can work it out line is like pretty distinctive. That's kind of like it out. I remember because like I listened to this out. album before this maybe like twice in my life. Mm-hmm. Okay. So like. That line was like, I didn't remember what song it came from, but I could remember that. Like, right. And that is Stevie Lange on backup vocals. Oh, see, I assumed it was Bob Clearmountain. <laughs> no. Just because he was credited. <laughs> that would be impressive. Totally. Okay, so it was a, a featured person. Yeah. Okay, because I was like, that ain't a Tears for Fears voice. And, uh, yes, yeah, so there's that synth bass. There's these, there's big yeah. punctuated moments with, like, I think it's horns or something, or it might just be another synth. That's like, bam! Yeah. Very. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds pretty synthy to me. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. That sounds so, pretty train whistle horns. Yeah. There's the train I like in my so. so then we get we got Brother Tiger who's who's kind of stripped down. Yeah. So for, I appreciated that yeah. a lot. I was like, okay, like this is one place where I'm like the dimmer switch kind of <laughs> makes this song more listenable. Yeah, for me. and it makes some of the more kind of spooky imagery in the lyrics kind of pop. Kind of more. pop. Yeah. I am a little sad that he uh, that he went. He didn't. He changed the melody. Mm. He didn't. He didn't commit to the work it out. Yeah, because that, that part rocks. Because <laughs> that's the best part of the original, in my opinion. Yeah, while um, it's being severely eighties. Absolutely. Um, True. It's probably tough to replicate too at like that level of energy, without it maybe being a little bit jarring. Mm-hmm. I suppose. This one's also like rhythmically more like straight. Like it's kind of following that danceiness of the original. Yeah. It's kind of got that like. Really got the like four on the floor. Yeah, it's got the boots and cats to going too. Boots and cats. Sorry, I didn't hear you cut out. Boots and cats. Boots and cats. Yeah. Cats and boots. Boots. It certainly does. And uh, and like uh, it's yeah, it's like pretty simplistic, but it also is pretty rich in the percussion on this one. We get a shaker in there. We get some hand drums. Like there's mm-hmm. a lot of percussion, but it's not like cacophonous like the original is. Right. Right, it's like like there's still other like layers, mm-hmm. but it's got that like underlying. Yeah, it's definitely not a show stealer. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so what I've said about this one is it manages that sort of dark vibe without being that like made for TV dark cover. Right. You know. Oh, like a... I know what you mean. <laughs> yeah, like a Riverdale bullshit. Like a cover. Riverdale cover. Or a Pretty Little Liars. We gotta get out of this place. If it's the last... I actually really like that that version. Yeah. But, uh... <laughs> we just dunked on it on here, so... Did you? No, you did. Oh, I did. <laughs> I dunked on it. Alex? Sorry, Alex? What, were you, what song were you singing? I didn't, I I didn't know what it was. We either. gotta get out of, of this the, place? Because of the connection. It's okay. Huh. Don't worry about it. No. All right. I won't. <laughs> Maybe one day you'll do an episode on it. Maybe. I believe...
talk about I Believe now? Yeah. This song was originally written for a British musician this by the name of the Robert Wyatt. Yes. Robert Wyatt is the man behind the band Soft Machine as well as the band Matching Mole. What? Soft Machine. Soft Machine? Soft Machine? Matching Mole. He became a paraplegic in the year 1973. He used to be a drummer and a singer. And then he was like, my legs don't work. I'm going to start a solo career. So he did that. He's still alive. Still kicking. Oh, good on him. Who is this, sorry? Uh, Robert Wyatt. The British musician behind the band Soft Machine. Oh my god, please don't do it again. <laughs> and Matching Mole. Sweet. Did you get that, Alex? Uh, yeah, I got that. Uh, 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 uh. So this song is dedicated to him. Oh. It was originally written for him, and then they, they just did it themselves and dedicated it to him. Oh, that's nice. Uh, if we look at this, so this one I believe is directly about their <laughs> own music. This one you believe? I believe, yeah. I believe, this, I believe. If we can, if we can just say I believe in hurting. front of everything yeah. we say about this. So. Well, they name check the hurting in the first line. Yeah. I believe you're right. That when the hurting and the pain is gone, we will be strong. Oh, yes, we will be strong. So, the, uh, and I think that what he says there is like once we move do past. Do you think the f- or do you for, believe? I do believe. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I believe that when he says that, he's saying that once we get past our first album, like, we'll be strong. We'll be strong. Yep. And he stronger because and then he, he comes into the this they will emerge stronger on the other side. Yeah. I believe that's true. And then he comes into this question of his music which has been criticized for being emotional. He says if I'm crying while I write these words, is it absurd or am I being real? You know, I was just thinking about this. I mean, they're called tears for to, fears. I went to a little show and there were three artists, three semi-local artists that played. Mm-hmm. Semi-local. And the first guy that went on, I was like, wow, I really don't like this. And I was thinking about it, like, is he be, is this his, like, honest, honest expression of self? Because if so, I respect that, but I still think it's kind of dumb. It's like, just like, can I say it? Like, I think your feelings are dumb, but I respect that you're expressing them. Wow. It's a good question. It's a good question. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, the first, the, so that line, he's just like kind of like, am I on some bullshit? Or is this like a real, am I on to something here? It's probably a good question to ask yourself. Yeah. And then I feel like the second verse. Does this make sense to anyone else? Kind of addresses the music critics. Where he says, if you knew what these tears were for, or te- what these tears were for, they're for fears. It's in the title, guys. They are obviously <laughs> for fears. <laughs> Fucking morons. <laughs> They would just pour like every drop of rain. That's why I believe it's too late for anyone to believe. So uh, with that, I'm not sure if he's saying they would pour as in like your, like you, if you knew what my tears were for, your tears would go like rain. Or if you're like, they would, the, my tears would mm. just be like rain to you. And they would just be like, eh. Like you'd also be like, he's just try- he just wants people to understand his pain. Yeah, I think that's the interpretation. But I think with the I believe it's too late, he's saying since we've already been, we've already been written off, essentially, in the, in the music world, it's right. too late for anyone to believe. I believe, but it's too late for anyone else to. This, uh, this seems like it's so intensely personal to their experience. Why would they try to give this to another person? I, yeah, it seems weird. And so maybe they just I'm not realize projecting that. that, but like, 
Like, I don't think you are. It's it's also why I think the the brother tiger version falls completely on its face mm. is because there is just no, no connection. No there to is it. no connection. Yeah. And and so and then I believe that if you thought for a moment, took your time, you'd not resign yourself to fate. Uh, I don't know this one. What can you tell me? What it means to be a Virgo? Can you give us a quick astrology um, breakdown? Quick astrology. Virgos are. I wish I, I wish I actually just knew that off the top of my head. Um, I try not to think about Virgos. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I want to say that they're like very disciplined. Hmm. Um, well, I have to wonder if if he's referring specifically to the idea of like what a Virgo is supposed to be, or just talking about I don't know, like like he said I'm a Virgo too, so like we. Like are similar, or something like that. Yeah. Well, because he seems to be talking about this idea of fighting fate. He says, if you took a moment, you wouldn't resign. They're perfectionists. Mm-hmm. Their goal is to be perfect in everything they do. They get frustrated when that they see that's not something possible. That came up, like between the band members, was that like the one guy was more of a perfectionist, and they kind of ended up the band broke up kind of because of that. Is that partially what happened? The band, like, like part of their, like, internal conflicts in the band were related around, like, some... Now, when you say the yeah, band, you mean Tears for Fears? Tears for Fears. No, I mean Tears for Fears. Okay. They're also, um, they can be over, like, they can overanalyze things uh, and very critical. They can be very critical on themselves and other people and be frustrated. Is any of this helping you with your interpretation? Maybe. I don't know, because he, uh, he says you would not resign yourself to, to your fate. He said, if you took a moment, took your time, you would not resign yourself to your fate. And I believe that it's written in the stars. I believe that if it's written in the stars, that's fine. I can't deny that I'm a Virgo, too. So maybe this self-criticizing to the point of resigning yourself to your fate. He's like, well, maybe. He's like, maybe if you took a moment, I think you'd realize it's not fate. But if it is, then I'd, like, I'm also... I have the same mind as you because I am a Virgo. Okay. Honestly, I don't have a great interpretation for it. But then we get... Yeah, it's kind of vague to me. But then in verse 4, it's easier for me to see. I believe that if you're bristling while you hear this song, I could be wrong or have I hit a nerve. So it's again this idea of is his music legitimate? Or is it, is it just, is, are you bristling because it sounds like derivative Joy Division? <laughs> so, wait, so bristling, that means angry, right? Yeah, well, possibly, that's one interpretation. Like irritated is what I would think. I think of, think okay. of how you would feel if somebody ran a toothbrush over your arm. Bristling. Aggressively yeah, so brisk or tense. Well, okay, so never mind. I'm looking at this. You're, you're more um, correct. So I always like, thought bristling was a little bit more gentle. In that way, even if it's like for you to be disgusted by it. Mm-hmm. Like is that is that not still a success? Like isn't have I have I done my job even if it makes you upset? Yeah, cuz like a strong emotional reaction is better than no reaction, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so he's saying if the to bring out these feelings in you is wrong, then it's it's too late for anyone to believe. He's doomed from the start on, on this music thing. And then we, we get some shit about a casino. I don't know. Yeah, uh, that I don't. Casino Spanish eyes. Casino Spanish eyes. Spanish eyes. 
Spanish Eyes is a song, isn't it? Um, I think so. And then I it think the be, most right? indicative of their sort of the the trajectory of their music is where he says um, that every time you hear a newborn scream, you just can't see the shaping of a life. So the newborn scream, I think, in this is their first album. And he's saying that music critics can't see what's going to come. They can't see the life that is forming. They That's can't, coming. They yeah. can't see the progression. Yeah. Saying you're all short-sighted fools. It's the, the short interpretation of this. Pretty good right. stuff. Like, you don't know what I have in me, like what my potential is, even if you don't like the first thing mm-hmm. that I scream out. And they were pretty young at the time, too. Yeah, they were I think they got signed when they were like 19 or something. 19, yeah. Wow. I don't know how old they were when they did this album. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know anything. Spanish Eyes seems to be an Engelbert Humperdinck song, and there's also a Bruce Springsteen song called Spanish Eyes. I knew it. I knew there was a Bruce Springsteen I don't know one. if they're the same song or not. I don't know about Engelbert Humperdinck. Isn't that the prince from Princess Bride? I will not tell you you're wrong. All right, cool. <laughs> so yeah, this I'm is... I'm not convinced you are. This is a slow piano piece. We get some sax that, that kind of screams in this for a one, bit. To me, this is like the most kind of normal, straightforward song mm-hmm. on the album. Because yes. it's just vocals and piano. And I feel like if this song is not covered a lot, I'm surprised that that is the case. Like, this seems like it would be a very easy song to cover. Yeah. Like, just mechanically. Yeah, it's, it's you know, it's not very technically difficult. Yeah. Like, as a solo piano piece, like, people yeah. already take other songs that aren't solo piano pieces and make them that, so this seems like it would be an obvious choice. I feel like know. it's, like, an obvious choice for a live performance, but maybe not something that you commit to recording. Mm-hmm. You know true, what I mean? True, yeah. Absolutely. Like, it's like, if we run out of time, we could just pull out I Believe. Or, like, if we run out of, uh, you know, set list. Yeah. Let's pull like, out yeah, I Believe for some like filler. energy down a little bit right. for a second before we pump it back up. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, it also would make a really great um, monologue for a high school student. <laughs> You guys ever do that in high school drama? Um, I, I you like the, you have to do like a monologue or like a, a poem or a song to just or to like you know tell speak. Okay. I can't speak anymore, and uh, the kids would do like song lyrics. I feel like this would be so cringy oh, as yeah. like a high schooler reading <laughs> it. I, I did it where you took like uh, everybody brought in like a poem and a song. I think it was. Yeah. And then you had to make like a scene out of that using the lines from that as. Dialogue. Oh okay. No, I used bitch and Camaro. Perfect. <laughs> we did that. And it didn't have to be so. We didn't really have to build a scene. It, it oh. kind of. We told a story, but it did, didn't necessarily have to be the dialogue. I used a super tramp song. Anyway, I digress. Anyway, the song I I I I thought it was boring. I'm sorry. I thought both versions were boring. Yeah, I, I was I bored thought, by I was both. Charmed by reading the lyrics. Yeah. But it is a very like. It just it just lingers a lot. It's a long, it's long, boring piece. It definitely it doesn't like progress a ton, especially compared to some of the other. Well, songs. and I feel like it doesn't um, really showcase like the vocal range of the singer or you know like the skills of anybody in particular. Like you talking about the lyrics and walking through like how that is, uh, you know, meaningful for them makes it 
more important, but I just, I didn't connect to it as a listener, mm-hmm. you know? And that's, I think the thing is, is we talked about, uh, what's the Cindy Lauper song we talked about, Alex? Um, time. Time after time? Yes, time after time. Mm. And there's, we, when we talked about that, there's so many of these lines that are at once very clearly personal to her, but so easily relatable to. Mm. She talks about mm. that, that radio clock that goes off. And like that, no, it's not even a radio clock. It's just like a, a hand clock. It's like a classic. Yeah, this is like clock. a clock, like the clock ticking. And it's like a literal scene that she's describing, something that happened, but like mm-hmm. sounds like it's a great yeah, metaphor. It's literally a literal like scene from her actual relationship with a, like her producer at the time. Oh, wow. And then, yeah. but it, it, yeah, it comes off as so instantly relatable. Whereas reading this, it is very clear, at least to me, that it's about this, this criticism they've taken but I haven't released an album that's been critically panned. I haven't, like, I can't, I don't have the experience to relate to that experience. Yes. Time to release a critically panned album. Can't be that difficult. I mean, I, I've performed stuff that has been critically panned, but. <laughs> Let's go. Still, there's such a, it's, it is very much on its own. Like, it's, it's a great piece of history almost, but it's not. Yeah. It's not a. It's not a jam. No, it's right. not a bop. I, no. Like, I think it works better, like as a part of the album. Mm-hmm. Like, yes. In terms of the tone of the album, it kind of like brings it down after Motherstock. Like between, it fits between Motherstock and Broken, but maybe like yeah, it is a bit on the long side, but I I don't mind it. Yeah, I'd say on a full mm-hmm. album listen through, like it's totally fine. It gives you a break, especially because we're just coming off of. The, oh, the mother's talk yeah. Yeah. mother's talk yeah yeah and so that makes it i think a good like like decompression song but yeah this is yeah. the one i'm coming into on like popping singles from this you know i feel like that about some of the later half of the album it feels like i get why these pieces are here as a full album like listening to the album as a full um piece Mm -hmm. but just for like the sake of listening like there's some of them some of these songs i would never seek out you know i wouldn't want to listen to them on their own they don't work so well in the shuffle but Mm -hmm. as a full like art piece i understand their place in the album yeah yeah which i feel like you just said that and then i just said it in a longer more roundabout way people need that (laughs) i don't know if they do i'm so sorry yeah i don't know people do it a lot so somebody must need it okay um do we want to talk about something else or do you want to talk about the brother tiger version really briefly like it's i like it just was such a non thing i didn't even write any notes yeah, on it honestly since on top of each other there's a, a picking guitar in the back um it's like yeah it's fine there's some cool synth shit at the end but there's no there's no reason yeah, for me I mean, covering this besides to check it off on the album yeah and i feel like it's just for those reasons we just talked about right like yeah. it, it's not something that probably resonates with him mm-hmm Compared to, like, the the Tears for Fears version, there's a lot. There's more progression because he does add more synthesizers throughout yeah. the song versus mm-hmm. just you know, the p- the key the piano, right? And then a little bit of saxophone. So there's a little bit more progression in that way. Right. But yeah, I don't have much else to add other than that. All right, let's talk about broken.
like the pretty much just the amp up song for, for head over heels. So uh, to talk about that, I guess we'll kind of talk about them both Can as we, one song, because yeah. I think that's the better way to do it. Yeah. So Head Over Heels was developed nearly two years prior as part of a segue with the song Broken, which was previously a standalone B-side to the 1983 Pale Shelter single. As the two songs share the same piano slash synth motif, Head Over Heels eventually came to be sandwiched in between two bookend parts of Broken and live performances. This placement follows onto the final track listing where it is studio Broken mm-hmm. to Head Over Heels with a live recording finish of Broken. Right. Okay, so it like goes between studio version and then some live, live stuff as well. Yes. Okay. Because I wasn't. Because I mean, I think is there a single version of Head Over Heels that yes. doesn't have broken? Yes. At the end, because I think that's the version I've heard in the past. Yeah, the yes, most. most was, of us. Yeah. Unless you're listening to the album, I guess. Mm-hmm. That's what you would be exposed to. I mean, that's to. the version you put on on the mix CD you made for me. Yeah. And that's the uh, version on the music video, and that's. If it was ever on the radio, that's yeah, what you would when, hear, when right? it was released as a single, that would be that the would version. be yeah. Um, which is, I guess, what you asked if there was a single version. The answer is yes. The answer is yes. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah. So uh, talking about there are lyrics in Broken. So and this one again seems to be about sort of the stresses of modern life, or at least what was modern life at the time. It says between the searching and the need to work it out, I can I stop believing everything will be all right. Broken, we're broken. I'm walking uphill, being turned around and round. Uh, secret emotion when my feet are on the ground broken we're broken and then it's the outro to this one is sort of the mind's eye and then on this he says one little boy anger one little man funny how Um, time flies according to to anger but yeah you can kind of hear it on the track but it's weird so it's interesting for me to think of head over heels in its role sandwiched between these very chaotic synth pieces so it almost yeah, it really slows down. And head over heels itself being uh, 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 self-described by Orzabal. Is that his name, Orzabal? Uh, yes. That's what I've been calling him. Yes. Um, he describes it as basically a romantic love song in one of the most simple tracks that Tears for Fear has ever recorded. It is a romantic song that goes a bit perverse at the end. So we have this sort of odd, very soothing romance song that's bookended by this chaos. So I'm wondering if it's like sort of when you're living in the stress of modern life where you, you're walking uphill, you're getting turned around, and you don't know what to do, you kind of like go back in your head to a place that was okay. Hmm. I suppose the other thing, I mean, it's, it's like there's chaos or like a more chaotic sound and then there's this and there's chaotic. And we kind of talked before um, about this idea of like, like living for the weekend or, or living for like big events and, and just kind of skating by the rest of the time. Mm-hmm. So it's almost like everything's up in the air and like things are happening and you're working or whatever and time is passing. And then suddenly there's this event and like everything becomes very lucid. And in this case, it's, it's like a romance or, or meeting someone or something. Yeah. And then it kind of goes back into this like chaotic thing. Well, the interesting thing is even in this romance, it's sort of chaotic. That's, it's called head yeah. over heels, right? Right. 
something happens and I'm head over heels. I never find out until I'm like he. So he even in the past in this seemingly like better memory, he is still caught up in chaos. It's true. He's like really not in control regardless. But like suddenly, like at least, you know, his mind is focused on something. Mm-hmm. Well, it's not. Yeah, it's not. I'm not gonna say it's not a reciprocal love, but it, it, he does say that the person keeps their distance, and you know, he's yeah. can I need you this much? Oh, you're wasting my time. So there's a lot of uncertainty with whatever this connection is yeah, that he that is singing about, right? Is emotional, right? Because yeah, you that's, keep your that's distance with the system, system of, of touch, touch. Yeah. which implies that there is some physical relationship here, but, but he's trying to get more. Yeah, and but then, they're wasting. His time. Yeah, just 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 wasting time. And like that kind of like in the music video, that kind of gets shown too. Like he's talking to this this woman, and she's sort of ignoring him. Like he's singing right at her, and she's just sort of doing in the library. Job. Yeah, in the 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 Emmanuel University Library or something in Toronto. Right, that <laughs> Toronto library. That's the important part. That is important. The other thing. This is the music video I've seen the most, and like it really underlines just like these two guys. Had such like baby faces at the time. Oh yeah, they look so young <laughs> in these videos. They look like, and they got these big trench. He's got a, like a big trench coat on. Mm-hmm. So he just looks like a kid who's like gone through his parents' closet, like that they're filming this thing. I don't know. Yeah, and it, like even the way he sings, like he he does a very big mouth. Like it looks like he kind yeah. of struggles with words, almost like a child. And his like cheeks are a little chubby. Like I don't know. They look super young. Yeah, they got video. mad baby fat. Aww. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. They're just, just like, little. Just little boys. Like, it's clearly a higher production value than something someone made in their backyard, but, like, it's still... I, I just feel that about it. He just looks so young. I don't know. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, so, yeah, like, the first verse is about this uh, relationship that's kind of not going where he wants it to, but he's still sort of... Lo- I'm lost in admiration. Could I need you this much? He's still mm-hmm. very much absorbed in it. And then the second verse is about him thinking of this person's future in a fire. Yes. Is this, I got, cause I know the idea of like a campfire and then you just kind of get lost in the fire looking at it. Somebody in genius has suggested it might be about pyromancy. pyromancy. I feel like pyromancy. it's kind of a stretch. Yeah. Cause he didn't say I saw your future. He said I thought of your future. And the line with one foot in the past, not just how long will it last seems to also play with the line about, Traditions I can trace against the child in your face. Mm-hmm. Speaking of children and faces, mothers mm-hmm. talk. These guys, in this video. Oh, those guys in the video. Okay, I was gonna bring good. it back to in mothers talk how he's talking about if you leave your face, you know the mothers say, if yeah. you leave your face a certain way, which to me could be like the person is keeping like a poker face kind of idea, like mm. their their face is not changing, so they're not giving away um, how they feel. And I also thought, I made a fire, I'm watching it burn. So fire is often symbol, symbolic of passion, right? So maybe he's even just talking about the passion in their relationship. Like, he made a fire there, right? right. And he's watching it kind of burn, burn between... Out, yeah. yeah, burn out between the two of us. And now he's wondering, okay, is there a future here? How long is this going to last? Right, because one foot in the past also resembles the phrase one foot in the grave. Yeah, right. So there's the idea mm. of this death by being caught in some kind of past. Mm-hmm. So whether his lover is maybe not is putting on that poker face because of some past incident, but is not willing to share that. 
Yes. And they can't progress forward. You have no ambition. You don't want to see things be greater than what you once had, you know? Yes. And then this you shit about his mom and brother. Yeah. <laughs> who, who, who breathed clean air? Uh, it used to. Yeah. Yes. When, before pollution. Yeah. Is this again Cold War stuff? I think Nuclear so, yes. Winter? Yeah. Nothing ever changes when you're acting your age and dreaming I'm a doctor. Is yeah. this sort of, because then from here we, is this again like kind of chaos getting into his life? He's trying to balance all these other things. Or like the expectations of, of them, someone else thinking that he should be more like a doctor, like, you know, making, making the big bucks. Mm-hmm. Also, I used to think uh, they said adopted there, so. Dreaming Same. I'm adopted. adopted. I always thought it was that. <laughs> that makes sense. <laughs> and it made even less sense. Mm-hmm. Nothing gets done when you feel like a baby. You know why he feels like a baby? <laughs> Is it his face? Because he looks Alex? so young in the face. Oh. You don't uh, say, Alex. But also the gun in his hand. I love that tale. line. It's hard to be a man when there's a gun in your hand. Yeah. I feel like so many people would, would say the opposite, you know? No, that's a smart line. It's a super smart line. It's very reminiscent, in fact, of um, Atticus Finch in To Kill a Mockingbird. He says, courage is not... No, is it courage or... Yeah, I think it's courage is not a man with a gun in his hand. Mm. I wanted you to know that courage is not a man with a gun in his hand. I feel like that... Yeah. Is it, is it a direct reference to that? Because it sounds pretty simple. Doesn't yeah. it? I mean, that book is old enough that, yes, they could have read it and given a Easily direct reference been, yeah. to mm. Atticus Finch. And the music video takes place in a library. So, you know. Oh. Alex, are you watching Books. it right now? Can you look and see if there's a copy of To Kill a Mockingbird in that library? Yeah, I'll look when all the cards fly out of the thing. I'll see if any of them say See to if kill he's a looking up To Kill a Mockingbird. Um, yeah, and then he comes to the, sort of the last lines, the last unique lines are, this is my four-leaf clover. I'm on the line, one open mine. This is my four-leaf clover. I just bought it. It's from The Gap. It was just $40. $40, yeah, that's right. Um, so what is this four-leaf clover? Explain that to me. Um, it's, a, it's a transition between two scenes in the music video. Thanks. A bunch of clovers fly out. Yeah, no, this is when he's, he has a new sweater on. Yeah. Um, I think he's... Like, unsure what to do, but it's kind of hoping that luck brings him through. Something like that. Mm. Like, he's, he's betting his future on this. Right. As I'm still kind of caught on the idea of this song being a flashback in the middle of Broken. So is he kind of, like, wondering why he fucking is living, and then he comes back to this memory? Could be. I mean, at the very end of the music video, he's, like, old. With and that woman, and they're both old. Old, like old man. Not communicating. Yeah. He gives him tea, and he just kind of takes it. Goes back to reading his book. Yeah. Well, he doesn't actually go back to reading his book, but it's implied, I think. Alex, tell me about the instrumentation on this song. Uh, what about the instrumentation on this song? It's got that, like, do, 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 do. Of course, that's in both. Mm-hmm. But that's, like, really on the piano. <laughs> Thanks, there. Alex. And let me pull up my notes. I've got too many windows <laughs> All right. Um, it's also got it does the thing like 
in the music video, you get to see the, the synth player, Ian whatever, mm -hmm. and then, like, the synthesizer flies onto the table, and he just, like, plays it, and his arm is just, like, so, like, loose and, like, sliding around. Oh, yeah. It's crazy, man. He's just, like, he's not giving a fuck about playing that synthesizer. Oh. Anyway, um, yeah, so there's, also, there's a synth solo in this, and there's, like, this big rising sound. It goes, like, like way up and then right into a solo yeah that's a fun thing that is a fun thing and then that's his he's just like swinging his elbow around man man yeah, yeah that's, that's something that's notable about this song. hell yeah the bass on this There's is also, also notable I'm yo saying. on the bass yeah it's a, it, it moves around a lot it's like bass is killer killer that is something i i noted love it it's holding it down the other thing, we didn't talk about this on the lyrics. It's kind of part of the lyric. Mm -hmm. But there's like an extensive la 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 section. That's true. Yeah. La 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 la. La 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 la. La la la. Which I wasn't sure if the cover would, would include that as well, but it does. Oh, it does, baby. Oh, it does. It does. It does. And then right at the end, it goes back into broken. Yeah, that's they do the same part. They go funny how time flies. Yeah, which I think, like again, I like I prefer the single to the album play, but like because you get that just that echo out on time flies. Yeah, that's so powerful. Yeah, it's kind of a good ending. But I get it. I I like your interpretation of how it's kind of like a flashback to something a little yeah. bit. Yeah. Better, but he also was ex still experiencing whatever anxiety in that past. Uh, yeah, and, and like uh, we often just look at the past as being good because it's done. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> wow. Yep. <laughs> God, things were simpler back then, and then you look back, you're like, you're I like, fucking no, hated that. No, no, they weren't. That was <laughs> a terrible time. Yeah. Yeah, and then so with the Brother Tiger version, he doesn't do the interlude. Like, he does Broken. Yes, and then he does Head Over and Heels, he does head over and heels, that's it. But there's no back to... Yeah. There's no Broken reprise. And, like, he does a good job on Broken because no... it's literally just setting up a synth space for the most part. Yes. He actually, I think this is one where he goes longer on the on the track than the original Yeah, does. a lot of his are shorter than yeah. the original. In Broken. Yeah, Which Broken is, like, a minute longer. Yeah, Broken's a minute longer, and really? I think that plays Not to quite. his strength. Okay. Seconds. Cause it's uh so it's like it's chill but it's pretty energetic. It's he gets the head over heels motif in much earlier. The mm -hmm. dun, 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 yes. dun, at the minute mark, and he does that voice doubling again. It's like yeah, this is kind of where he shines. Honestly, is taking this instrumental synth track, which is like you mentioned earlier, Alex is kind of his focus was making these big production. Like it, like, Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So, I, yeah, I think this, I think he knocks it out of the park here on Broken. I f I'm going to say, like, I feel like this would be such a good learning experience, if nothing else, to, like, sit as a music producer, to sit with an album that you really admire and actually reproduce every yeah. single piece. I think it was Hunter S. Thompson who would actually write out other, like, established novels. Really? Yeah. Would How would that was, help you? I don't know. He did a lot of drugs, okay? Like, okay. It wasn't like he was just copying it. Oh, okay. I think the okay. idea was to try to get into the headspace and, like, figure out what Like, why these were... Wow. I definitely... I mean, if I'm writing something, it has a different feel to when I'm reading it. So you kind of get... I don't know. 
Yeah, words have a feeling when you write them. It's the difference between taking notes and just reading like an essay on something, right? Right. Yeah. Interesting. So yeah, I think the it, the tangible learning is much more evident in uh, the producer aspect you've proposed. Yes. But yeah, it's, just, it's but kind of the, interesting that yeah. somebody's done that from the writer perspective. That's very. I would have never thought to do it that way. I know. It's I like I sometimes think about doing it. I'm like, but I'm I, I don't know if I'm going to learn anything from that. And you're like, why would I do it? You should try it. Yeah. Commit I, to one chapter of something. One chapter. And just see how it goes. And if you get anything. Yeah. And then do the rest. You don't have to commit to an entire and book. Then day one. And then keep it and be and put. <laughs> yeah, put like Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone by J.K. Rowling by Jake Cressy. Just, just do the <laughs> do pull the, the office Scott, thing. Yeah. yeah, pull the Michael Scott. All right. So I wrote it. <laughs> Tell people you wrote it. Head over heels. He's got a lot of weird percussion noises on this one. Is, is there a xylophone at some point in this, Alex? Can you confirm is it a xylophone or a Glock? Alex, we for a confirmation. God damn it, Alex. Who know. It's, it's probably a synthesizer. Mm, probably. Wow. Thanks, Alex. No problem. This one's like... It was good. It was good. You know what? My favorite version is still the literal version. So. Yeah. <laughs> um, I forgot not much to say about... Because it's pretty much... We t- it's pretty classic. He does the same thing that he does on other... Yeah, on well, this, this one's one. pretty. Yes. I mean, it's even maybe a little less complex mm-hmm. than this one. Like, yes. he still has that descending pattern, and it's still kind of built around that. Yeah. Um, he adds a little noise filter sweep, which is kind of neat. Yeah. Um, but not that neat. And it's just a lot of like synth chords and him singing. Mm-hmm. With like that rhythm. Now the rhythm is probably the more interesting part, though. And he keeps the la la las, and I wasn't sure if he would. Yeah, he does. Uh, I don't know. Were you crazy about those la la la's in this one? I think he cuts it shorter, so that's probably a good call. Okay, yeah. He's only about a minute shorter. Mm-hmm. I don't remember if he has fewer la la la's. All right. Should Listen. we talk about the final track? Oh, sorry. Were you going to just do a, a really great segue? That was I... it. Oh, okay. Was, All right. Listen, Listen is the name of the final track oh, okay. on this album. Is live? Pretends to be live? Yeah. Oh, how dare you! So it's a lot of a lot of like ambient synth on this one. It's very uh, very sounds like the end. We get uh, in terms of the lyrics, there's like this weird chanting of some Spanish that translates to "Birthday girl, don't worry." Are you serious? That's that's what I got from Google. It's cumpleaños chica no hay que preocuparse. Okay. Yep. Oh, so Alex, it is about a birth. Maybe th- then it goes full circle, and then we go back to shout, and it's a baby girl being born. There you go. It's like the wall. It's, it's cyclical. It's, it's cyclical. Ah, look at that. Yeah, I'm not convinced it's not just like the story of like a kid growing up and maybe even having another kid. I feel like if Mother's Talk was switched in the rotation with Working Hour, I'd buy it. Yeah, that, that was kind of the big thing where I was gotcha. trying to, you know, noticing that 
Fuck, all my words are falling out in the wrong order. Uh, That's okay, Alex. Was that the working hour was too early? Yeah, I agree. Yeah, so lyrically in this, we've got the first verse, which is like two lines. This is Kurt Smith singing again. Mm-hmm. He says, Mother Russia badly burned, your children lick your wounds, your wounds. And then, like, Pilgrim Father sailed away, found a brave new world, new word, world, listen. That's pretty much it for, like, lyrics that aren't telling a birthday girl not to worry or soothe my feelings. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess that could be another, like, East-West Cold War thing. Like, verse one is Russia and verse two is now, like, the new world. Yeah, I guess the Americans were pilgrims, right, when they came here? Yeah, or at least some of them. Yeah. Um, the other thing, this was the one where the chanting kind of reminds me of, like, Peter Gabriel's song. Like, mm. this is kind of oh, reminiscent so of, true. like, Shaking the Tree or something. Like, San Jacinto. No. Yep. I don't know. I'd, I'll agree to both of those. <laughs> okay. But or, yeah, or whatever. Or like, yeah, it, whatever. it's kind of got that almost, like, world music sound. And not just because it's in Spanish. Right. But probably because of that. <laughs> I mean, in part, for in sure. Part. Um, we get some sharp, I don't know if they're percussive noises, if they're sound effects like gunfire and explosions. But those kind of come in throughout here. Right, kind of in the background. Mm-hmm. Uh, Marilyn like Davis some, is the female voice. It almost sounds like talk on a radio as well. Yeah. So definitely the like wartime sound effect, I think. Yeah, so I guess this is probably just another Cold War song. Possibly. It seems like another Cold probably. War song. I mean, they talk about Russia. Yes. Yeah. And they talk about Aldous Huxley's Brave New World. Yeah. So. That's the Cold War. No, nope. it's not. It does say left for a brave, brave new world. Brave new world, new ah. world, sorry. That's about totalitarianism. Well, see, this one's just like a good wind down from the album. I like the ambiance, the lyrics, eh, whatever. It gets you ready to loop the album and listen again. Yeah. Totally. It definitely makes sense as an album closer, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and then the, the Brother Tiger version sounds almost exactly the fucking same. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah. Yep. It's like real, real similar. All right. With that. Although, okay. although, okay. I do think. <laughs> The Brother Tiger version sounds uh, darker. Mm-hmm. Um, particularly, there's like an underlying like bass synth that he adds. That's like very. Oh, that's cool. It sounds very dark to me. Okay, I didn't commit a lot of brain power to this one, so I'm gonna take uh, your word for it. Neither did I. Not gonna that's lie. Fair. With that, we're gonna go into our final review. Usually, we talk about what the best version is, the worst version is, yada yada. For this one, there are, I believe, eight tracks total on this album. Yeah. Um. So. Mm-hmm. If you had to compile an album of half Brother Tiger and half Tears for Fears versions, what would be... Four and four. Four and four. Oh, gosh. What would you put together and why? Oof. Okay. Mm. Okay, um, uh, maybe I'll go first. Okay. I'll go down the line. So Shout has got to be Tears for Fears. It's, uh, it's just a moving piece. It hits every note right, whereas uh, I think Brother Tiger just kind of falls in the footsteps on that one. Mm-hmm. Um, the Working Hour... It's, again, I've got to give it to Tears for Fears. Those two were, like, I've listened to those a lot before, too, so maybe I just have a lot of nostalgia for mm-hmm. them. But those two got to stay together. Um, everybody Wants to Rule the World is where it gets tricky. Maybe I got I to gotta go non-linear here because I got to figure things out. I think I'm going to give Listen to Brother Tiger just because, eh, I don't care about the track that much. <laughs> um, I would give, I've got to give I Believe to uh, Tears for Fears. So now I'm already at three Tears for Fears songs. Because I think, like, I'm not even crazy about I Believe, but 
it is the superior version to Brother Tiger's sheerly by way of emotional connection. Mm-hmm. Um, with Mother's Talk, I give that to Brother Tiger. I think the, the laid-back, darker atmosphere plays a lot better than this cacophonous, like, very jarring piece. Um, Broken, also I'd give that to Brother Tiger because that seems to be him right in his element. He, it's, it's mostly instrumental. It's mostly just synth, so he just gets to put that together. And that leaves me with the tough choice of who gets everybody wants to rule the world and who gets head over heels. Oh, man. Um, I... Fucking, those are two big songs. I love them both. I gotta give head over heels to Tears for Fears because I, um, I think I liked Brother Tiger's version of Everybody Wants to Rule the World more than I liked his version of Head Over Heels. So to go over that, that was Shout, The Working Hour, um, Head Over Heels, and I Believe were Tears for Fears, and then Everybody Wants to Rule the World, Mother's Talk, Broken, and Listen for Brother Tiger. Okay, I feel like we are almost totally in agreement. I'm also going to give Shout to Tears for Fears. Easy, it's iconic. I'm going to give Working Hour to Brother Tiger. That's probably not a surprise. Yeah. Um, everybody Wants to Rule the World, I would give to Tears for Fears. Again, it's too iconic for me not to. Um, Mother's Talk, I agree with you on everything you said. I'm giving it to Brother Tiger. I believe, for the same reason, needs to go to Tears for Fears easily. Uh, same reason for Broken, I'm going to give it to Brother Tiger. Mm-hmm. Head Over Heels has to be Tears for Fears for me. That is my favorite Tears for Fears song, so I cannot take it from them. Um, which leaves listen to Brother Tiger um, just by process of elimination. Right. And again, don't care enough about the song. So <laughs> that's, that's my take, my it, hot, yeah, hot it's take. Tough. It's tough. Like, I would give, I believe, to Brother Tiger to get Everybody Wants the Real World Tears for Fears version, but, but it, you can't. You can't do I that. No, it's like a, a weird strategy thing. Alex, what do you got? Hmm. Um, okay. Well, again, I also having trouble taking Shout and Everybody Wants to Rule the World away from Tears for Fears, mm-hmm. so I gotta give them that. And I think I have to give them the working hour as well. So now I've already three down for Tears for Fears, so they only get one more. Um, gotta choose wisely, Alex. give them is I believe, which leaves everything else to Brother's Talk. Right, so that he gets Mother's Talk, he gets Broken, he gets Head Over Heels, and he gets Listen. Okay, so he gets like the latter half of the album, the album. mostly. Basically, yeah. Yep. Yeah, and like listen was, I mean listen was the one that was like, could gone either way. Oh but yeah. But just because I used them too much, it went to Brother Tiger. So, same as Ruby, basically. There you go. Um, if you guys have gone to the trouble of listening to both versions of this album and like to make your own mix mix album of the two, hit us up on Twitter hashtag Tears for Tiger. That's what I titled my notes. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Um, so that's been our main segment. We're going to jump into our bonus segment today, which is another thrilling installation of Same Song, Different Chorus. Oh! We're in, uh-oh, I uh-oh. take a song, a, okay. a, a song title okay. that is shared by two bands oh, or nice. more, okay. and then I will read you lyrics from one of the songs, and you will tell me which one it's from. Okay. So today's song title is Magic. We will be looking at versions of two songs by The Cars okay. and of Pilot. Pilot. You've probably heard Pilot, even if you don't know that you know. It. Okay. What's the other song? What's the other one by? Uh, so the Magic by Cars. Okay. And Magic by Pilot. Cars and Planes. Got it. You got it. <laughs> I don't think I know here. the other version though. Uh, I think you do. 
if I listen to like three seconds of it, will that be? You can't. No, you can't. Because it's it seems like you're both it. equally disadvantaged here. Yeah. So the first okay. line is. Okay. Right. Uh oh, it's magic. Cars. That's cars. Is it a competition between Alex and I? Yes. So okay. you both got the first round right. Okay. But I was faster. Yes, I'll give you that. Okay. So the next round is. It's because of the delay. That's that's true. <laughs> Whatever. The next round is. <laughs> oh ho ho! It's magic. I'm gonna go out of the limb and say pilot. I think I think I might have to say pilot as well. That's correct. That is pilot. Now, do you guys? Are you for sure? Oh ho ho! It's magic. Oh, I do know that song. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You didn't include uh, Coldplay's magic. No. I'm, oh fuck. Okay, I do uh, know that one. song. The, the line is, call it magic. Is that the cars? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's Coldplay. Okay, the next line is crazy music playing in the morning light. I'm gonna go with pilot. That's pilot. That's so pilot. Okay, yeah, I can. I gotta give that to Ruby for getting it first. Yes. Fuck. <laughs> this is a time thing. I mean, I it you gotta do it now because you keep picking the same to. answers. <laughs> it's magic, you know. <laughs> pilot. Never. Yeah, it's pilot. It's pilot. <laughs> yep, that's pilot again. Just a little bit of magic pulls me through. Cars. That's correct. <laughs> uh, okay, I guess. Like, yeah. yeah right. Sorry, dude. You're getting destroyed out here. <laughs> and just a little magic inside of you. I'm letting you have it, Alex. It's um, cars. I'm trying to remember the line. Just <laughs> <laughs> <It is> cars. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I remembered it. I'll give you one. I mean, you just, I'll give you one. I'm not more. gonna guess it because you told me what it was. Just, just because you're you're getting devastated out here. I've got a hold on you. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if that's cars. Yeah. Oh Alex, dang. We used to cover this song. <laughs> Literally. I didn't sing though. Yeah, yeah. You think you'd still know it? We played it like three times. So that was the, an overwhelming victory for Ruby. Thank you. <laughs> you participated. I know my cars. <laughs> I don't have any prizes to give out. So and that's okay. I, I feel just like wanted the ch- I feel like we changed the rules from last time without really saying. We did. It's been a while. Like it's uh, It's been two weeks since we recorded, Alex. Whatever. It's fine. It's we'll fine. We counted it as a loss, but with, a, okay. with an asterisk, you know? I don't care. Okay. Okay. It sounds like you don't care. I'm glad. It, was, it was a close <laughs> second, Alex. A close second. <laughs> So that's been the show. You can follow me on Twitter at Jake the Cressy or Alex at some Alex Wise Guy. Hashtag Cover Me Pod. Send us an email at that's uh, Cover Me Pod at gmail.com. That's C O V E R M E P O D at gmail.com. And uh, you can follow Ruby at. Oh, uh, Glitter Ghost Music on Instagram. Um, at Fizzy Melody on Twitter. I don't use it though. And uh, I think that's it. Yeah. Check out the new single, which I've forgotten the name of. It's called Without You. Thank you. Without You. Yeah. Uh, the, the, it's a Motley Crue cover. It's. Do you know how many people have songs called Without You? <laughs> you should do another. If like, I had known. If you do another, you should do another podcast that's just like songs that share the same title. And like, what are the similarities? Are there, are there? some? Let's find out. Let's find out. Um, be sure to rate us, review us, subscribe to us, follow us. We're on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, Podbean, some other podcasting apps, your favorite ones, your least favorite ones. Tell your friends about us. We'll do your a Linkin Park episode ones. soon, I swear. <laughs> As we always say on Cover Me, the, 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 the
covers are hot and fresh. Come, come get them. Serving them up. Serving them up hot. Hot takes and hot covers. It's cover me.